listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Today I'm going to talk about three lessons that I learned during the pandemic and during the riots, you know, all the stuff that's going on right now, um, the protests, the riots, the Chaz, which has become the chop, um, all the things that are going on in our nation right now. I've learned three things. I've learned three things specifically. I've seen other things, but I want to share these three with you because I guess I didn't, I guess I didn't think it to be true before all this stuff went down at the scale that it is true, but, um, it definitely needs to be talked about. Secondly, can I say this? I honestly don't think that a lot of people, and and I'm, listen, I'm totally honest. When I say this, I am totally being honest with you. I'm not making light of it. I'm not joking. This is not a lighthearted flippant joke or comment. I'm being serious. I don't think that a lot of people in this generation right now, alive on the earth, understand what the term racism or racist actually means. I don't think they do. If you agree with that comment, throw a hand in the comments. If you disagree, give me a thumbs down. But if you agree, throw up a hand in the comments. I honestly don't think that many, many people, I would say especially 40 and under, understand what the term racist or racism actually means. I don't think that they know. The reason I say that is because anytime anything happens, anything at all that deals with anything, people are quick to be like, that's racist. You're racist. It's like, bro, I don't think you understand what racist is. I don't think you understand what racism is. I honestly don't think you do. So for anybody that may be watching this today that wants to say at any point during this broadcast that I'm racist or that this broadcast supports racism, we're going to actually define it for you today so that you'll clearly understand what racism is and what racist means. Because I promise you, I don't think people understand it. I really, really don't. Because I'm seeing, I'll read you one in a minute. It just, it cracks me up. First of all, I've been uh, actively throughout this. I've been actively condemning. uh, You've seen the broadcast we've done. You know, I've been talking about how you can't be a Christian and racist. You can't hate people because of the color of their skin, where they're from, how much money they make, whatever. You can't pick out something about someone and then hate them for that. And still be a Christian. The Bible says in the book of first John, that if you say you love God, but you hate your brother, that you're a liar and the love of God is not in you. God is love. First Corinthians tells us, um, you know, and we understand that first John tells us that as well. So, you know, obviously true racism and, and, and people being racist is a sin. It's not just wrong. It's a sin that'll send you to hell. But I honestly don't think people know what it means. And um, <laughs> as like, for example, let me give you an example in case you don't know. I posted something 
yesterday on uh, on Instagram. Now, this is a real article from the New York Post. It's an actual article from the New York Post. This is not fake. It's not some satire like Babylon Bee or something. Today's broadcast brought to you by Diet Sunkissed Orange. Our thanks to all the people at Diet Sunkiss for believing in the broadcast and helping us push the gospel forward. Um, this is an actual article from the New York Post. And I want you to see, I just posted it and wrote in the caption, what? Question mark. That's all I wrote. This is real. It says, Oregon County issues face mask order that exempts non-white people. Okay? Oregon County issues a face mask order that exempts non-white people. Okay. Well, first of all, imagine if that had been issued by the county in reverse. Can you imagine the outcry? If Oregon County issued a face mask order that exempted white people, (laughs) everybody would be screaming white privilege. But can you imagine... Or if it read this way, Oregon County issues face mask order that exempts white people. So the only people that didn't have to wear this would be white people. According to this New York Post article, the only people that don't have to wear it are people that aren't white. (laughs) So now, and by the way, I guess if you look at the statistics, I was made aware of this. If you look at the statistics, they're saying that people of color are actually um, more apt to catch the virus is what the medical experts are saying. And so it doesn't even make uh, sense in the medical arena, let alone the race arena. We're freaking out about equality. We're freaking out about all these. And, and this is actually happening in our nation right now. So I just posted it on Instagram because it's crazy. First of all, if you believe in the danger of the virus, okay, if, if that's something, by the way, it has like a 99.7% survival rate. I just talked to somebody yesterday that previously had the virus, is, is now free of corona, passed all the tests, but was quarantined. And he said to me, he, and this was yesterday, he goes, man, I'm telling you, if, if what we're being quarantined for is what I had, he was like, this is the greatest fear mongering I've ever seen in the world. He said, because what I, what I went through for a couple of days, he was like, it was, there was no reason to quarantine for what I went through. He was like, and I, and I had it. I tested positive for, for COVID stayed home, made sure. Of course, the guideline is this. Um, if you haven't had a fever without fever medication with for for 72 hour period, you're free to go back into public. And uh, he was like, let me just tell you if what I had, which he was testing, he tested positive. He said, if what I had is what we're quarantining for, he said, this is the biggest hoax I've ever seen. So, you know, I'm not saying I doubt that there's a virus out there, but you know, if you truly believe in the power of the virus and you're, and you're, and you're trying to push health and safety concerns, how insane is this that they're saying, well, we do want safety. You know, it's the same, it's the same reason that nobody could uh, believe the government's stance on, on safety restrictions during riots and protests. The government literally issued a statement saying you need to keep social distancing 
and you need to keep a face mask on unless you're protesting. It's like, bro, it's either dangerous or it's not dangerous. You can't make exceptions and still expect us to believe it's dangerous because even you don't believe it's dangerous because you're saying that if we want to protest or whatever, we can stand together and we don't have to wear face masks. So it's like, bro, I don't understand. And, and you know, they expect us to believe because they think we're stupid is obviously what's going on. They think we're stupid. So I posted this article on my Instagram, Oregon County issues uh, face mask order that exempts non-white people. Now, obviously, people with a brain, people that are intelligent could read that and understand how asinine that issued order is. It's crazy because it shows you don't even believe in the health benefits of a mask to say that, well, part of the population has to do it, but not everybody. Well, then you don't believe in the, in the value of wearing a mask. You by this issued order, you're saying that you understand that masks don't even make a difference. And so I posted it on my Instagram and then I got a comment and there's always a Karen out there. And I got one, got a wonderful comment. This is literally what somebody put on my feed. And I'm, I'm, I'm still like, <laughs> it made me laugh. So I wrote back, but this, this is the comment. Listen to this. Wow. This is racism at an all time high. Now I thought she was referring to what the Oregon County, uh, issue meant to her. Like, I agree with you. That's like, that's like. You know, we're, we're now we're talking about looking at two different races and exempting one from a mandate and not exempting another from a mandate. I thought she was talking about that, which I would agree. So she writes, wow, this is racism at a all time high exclamation point. Now, now, now I realized after this, what she was actually saying, can't believe I thought you weren't like the rest of the people here. It's about, talking about me. You preach Christian love and really show hate. <laughs> you preach Christian love and really show hate. All black people, all black people. She wrote it twice. So apparently it's like when Jesus says, verily, verily. She really wanted me to catch this. All black people, all black people aren't the same. Some of us people would like to see more love, not the stupid hate that is coming out of the mouths of people who have nothing but hate in their heart. And I I was laughing, but I was instantly confused by what she meant. First of all, Where's the hate is the first question I have. Secondly, where's the racism from on my part? Where's how am I racist for pointing out the inconsistency of Oregon County's order? (laughs) This, by the way, according to this lady, this is racism. Me posting this article on my Instagram is racism at an all time high, not lynchings, not murders, Understand, not racial profiling, 
me posting this article is racism at an all-time high. (laughs) It can't get higher than what I just did. Posting a New York Post article on my feed and asking what? That, my friends, is racism at an all-time high. Oh, Lord Jesus. Now, let me read you uh, for those... (laughs) For those that are on that actually do have brains, let me read you what racism actually is. Because I really don't think our I don't think our generation knows what it is. By the way, take a minute and share the broadcast. I know people get all bent out of shape. That's all right. Prejudice, discrimination, antagonism directed against a person or people on the basis of their membership of a particular racial or ethnic group, typically one that is a minority or marginalized. You see that? That is the definition of racism. Let me read it again for anybody that may just hop on the broadcast to throw shade. Prejudice, discrimination, or antagonism. Antagonizing somebody that's directed against a person or people on the basis of their membership of a particular racial or ethnic group, typically one that is minority or marginalized. So that's what racism actually is. It's what it actually is. It's not disagreeing with ideologies. And it's also not calling out foolish government orders that are in themselves. So listen, Here's, here's, a, uh, here's a thought for you. The, the actual Oregon County order itself is racist because I consider um, having to wear a mask harassment. I don't want to wear a mask. I hate being told to put a mask on. They've proven masks don't work. The government said masks don't work. Dr. Fauci said masks don't work. I resent being told to have to wear a mask everywhere I go. Now, if I live in Oregon County, if I'm white, I have to wear a mask. But if I'm not white, I don't. That, my friends, is antagonizing a group of people based upon their race. So in and of itself, that order is racist. Not me posting it on my Instagram feed. So the reason I'm saying this, the reason I'm bringing this up, not because I'm, I'm not upset or anything. I don't really care. It makes me laugh, to be honest with you. But it's made me realize that there are a lot of people out there. Now, once again, I, I can't, I, I can't, I'm not saying anything about unbelievers or, you know, sinners. I, I can't expect a sinner to act like a Christian should act. As I've said before, they're dead in trespasses and sins. They're not alive to the Holy Spirit. They don't have the ability. They're not new creatures in Christ Jesus. They don't have a regenerated spirit and mind. They can't renew their mind by any means. So there's nothing they can do to step out of the kingdom of darkness. We, on the other hand, those of us that are Christians, those of us that are uh, believers and new creatures in Christ Jesus, we should look different than the world. We should look different than the world. So our lives should represent Christ and the kingdom in a different way. And what we do, our actions should be different. 
I've, I've put this, I've pointed this out before, uh, that the fruit of the spirit are the personality traits of Jesus Christ. You see, so we don't get to say (laughs) as Christians, we don't get to say, well, you need to love me for me. If you want me to change so you can love me, then you don't love the real me. No, because what people usually mean by that is I want to act like a fool and because that's what my flesh feels like doing. And that's just my tendency. And if you don't like it, then you don't love the real me. But the problem with that is that as Christians, we're not afforded the freedom to just say, love my carnal self, love me the way my carnal uh, nature expresses itself because we're commanded to actually forego the carnal nature and walk in the spirit so we don't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. We're commanded to walk according to the fruit of the spirit and obey the, the instructions of God. So even if I'm a person who has a temper, I can't just like let my temper flare all the time and then say, well, if you want me to change, I mean, that's the real me. And if you don't love me for the real me, then you don't love me. No, I don't have the right to do that. The Bible says I've got to walk in love. I have to walk in love if I'm going to please the Lord. And I can't expect somebody else to say, well, you're changing me. If you want me to be, you want me to water down the way I speak. That's just who I am. No, not once you get saved. Because the Bible says that you don't belong to you. Think of that. You don't belong to yourself. You've been bought with a price. Jesus purchased you and brought you out of darkness and brought you into the kingdom. And so Jesus bought you when he shed his blood. And so he owns us. The Lord owns us. This is why the apostle Paul, who outside of Christ was the most intelligent man in the New Testament. Even with his natural training at the feet of Gamaliel, who to this day is still considered one of the uh, greatest teachers in the history of Judaism, Paul was extremely intelligent, extremely educated. And Paul said that he was, in one translation, a slave of Christ. Now we've changed that term because we understand more about the Greek language. The word slave is now being rendered bondservant. It's the Greek word doulos, which it's not necessarily someone who was taken into slavery. It's somebody who was, uh, who chose slavery as a method to pay off their debt. And then there, there was actually laws or provisions made for those servants who, after they served a family and paid off their debts, they may have ended up loving that family. And saying, now there's a provision for this in the book of Leviticus, and, and, and you can see the truth of it, but uh, they may end up loving the family that they worked for and deciding at the end of their work period, you know what, I'm not leaving. I'm going to stay with this family and be a part of the family as a servant. And that was called a bond servant, doulos in the Greek language. What it meant was I fell in love with the family I was serving, and so I'm going to stay here and be a part of the family. So I'm not I'm not, it's not like we think about, you know, American slavery where people were mistreated and, uh, you know, it was actually wrong and sinful. This is something someone chose to do and then decided to stay doing it because they love the ones they were serving. Paul said, that's who I am, a bond servant of Jesus Christ. He didn't, he didn't mistreat me. He didn't yank me into slavery. I choose to serve him. I love him. I want to be a part of his family. 
I'm his servant. I still do what he tells me to do. I'm his servant, but it's because I'm now becoming a part of the family. And so that that's exactly what Paul taught. I don't get to choose what I do with my life. I do what the Lord wants me to do with my life. I'm a, I'm a bond servant of Jesus Christ. And um, it's, it's a powerful thought. But you start to realize that I don't own myself. I am owned by God. He owns me. I am his property. I belong to Jesus. You know, we, we say that in church all the time. Like, I belong to Jesus. Well, what does it mean to belong to Jesus? Because if you truly belong to the Lord, then he has control and say over what we do and what we don't do. That's why when the Bible says the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord when he delights in his way, if I delight in the ways of God, if I'm godly, then that means that I submit myself to the desires and instructions of the Lord and I follow his instructions. That's what a real child of God does. They follow the Lord's instructions and Jesus actually said that in John 14, 21. He said, the ones who truly love me are the ones who have my commandments and obey them. The ones who have my commandments and obey them. So understand lip service means nothing, means nothing to just say things. It's about what you do. And so I want to break this down and uh, talk to you about three things that I noticed during the pandemic and during the rioting and during the protesting, all the things we're seeing in America right now in Christians, three things in Christians that I've learned that are uh, alarming in one sense and in another sad because it shows the state of many Christians, shows the state of many Christians. We have to be mindful. We have to be very mindful about how we live our lives for Christ. And so I do want you to take some notes and I do want you to be mindful of these things because they're so very important. And I'm not, uh, you know, moving myself out of the way. I have to do these things. We all are responsible to do these things. But look at this with me. The first thing, if you're taking notes, I want you to put it down. And if you're just joining us, I'm going to give you three lessons that I've learned during the pandemic, during the rioting, during the protesting about Christians and about the body of Christ. Um, Let me answer this because people um, have questions. So let me answer this. Rose asking, what does the word prejudice mean? The word prejudice means an unfavorable opinion or feeling formed beforehand or without knowledge, thought, or reason. Without knowledge, thought, or reason. Um, so let me give you an example of what prejudice might might look like. <clears throat> you know, I, I, um, I may look at a black person and... I might think to myself, you know, or anybody might do this. And it's, it is done. It's a bias. You may have seen that. Well, I know that this black person committed violent crimes. So now I just think about all black people that they're prone to commit a violent crime. And when I see one or interact with a black person that I, I'm going to, or any kind of person, it could be, you know, somebody that's Puerto Rican, Brazilian, could be something, somebody from Uruguay, whatever. But I'm going to make a judgment about them before I ever meet them, know them, know anything about them, that they're dangerous. 
This is why you people, this is why people say they get angry, you know, when they see like, you know, a person of color may walk through a restaurant or something and you see like some old white lady grab her purse tighter when they walk by. Well, why is she doing that? She's doing it out of prejudice. She's doing it out of a judgment she made beforehand without even knowing the person. That's prejudice. It's a bias. Happens all the time and it's wrong. It's wrong. We're not to judge people based upon the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. And so let me give you these three and they'll, they'll help you. You're welcome, Ro. Three things that we need to be, to watch out for in our own lives. Number one, one of the main things that I'm, that I'm seeing all around and you, you've probably seen the same is so many Christians are living out of their emotions instead of out of a kingdom mentality. They're living out of their emotions instead of living out of their faith. And this is huge. The enemy wants us to do this. The enemy wants us to do this. So that's number one. I'm seeing it all over the place. Christians that are living or taking actions out of their emotions instead of out of what the word of God commands us to do, commands us to do. And so it's a problem because if you live based upon natural emotion, you will fail, my friend. You will fail. You'll fail. If you allow yourself to begin to take actions, I'll give you a perfect example. See, because we're not, we're not called to live and be led and guided by our emotions Rather, we're to be led and guided by the Spirit of God. And uh, let me just say this to you. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, I I dealt with this yesterday, this verse, we walk by faith and not by sight. And so what people are doing right now is they're, they're looking at what's going on. They're being affected by it in their emotions and then they're taking action, or I should say, it's a reaction. They're reacting out of their emotions versus reacting out of what the Word of God says. It's sad to me when I see Christian people starting to take sides. It's very sad to me when I see Christian people getting caught up in their emotions. And and let me just say this. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be sad about injustice. If that's how you're interpreting what I'm teaching today, you're not even listening. You're not even listening. So if you think I'm saying we shouldn't be sad when injustice takes place, you don't even know what I'm talking about. Of course we should be sad when injustice, we should be angry when injustice takes place, when things happen that are wrong, when people's lives are senselessly taken from them. Wrong. You know, It's like, for example, with the George Floyd case, there are people who uh, are trying to discount that it was wrong he was murdered because of things that had happened in his past. And yes, there may have been things that happened in his past that were wicked or that were wrong or illegal. It doesn't change the fact that he shouldn't have been murdered. Well, it's like I heard a guy like yelling about it. Well, you know, he was a career criminal. Okay, I understand that. We have laws that actually punish criminals. 
We have jails that house criminals. We have courts. We have judges and juries that try criminals. We don't murder every criminal and then justify their murder by saying, well, they were a career criminal. Somebody, just because he had had issues of his past, yes, I understand it. I'm not saying that he was Billy Graham, but he also didn't deserve to be murdered. And so I'm not saying we don't get sad or we don't get angry about injustice when we see it. And by the way, it was clearly injustice. Nobody should try to justify the death of a man uh, in that way because of the actions of his past. Of course, it was injustice. But understand this. We feel the sadness and the Bible tells us that we can weep with those who weep. We can mourn with those who mourn. We can be angry. You know, Jesus was angry. It's not wrong to be angry. The Bible says you can be angry and still not sin. You can have a righteous anger. You can have a righteous indignation, which by the way, is lacking from many, many lives of many Christians today. It's lacking. Righteous indignation. Some Christians, you can't get them stirred up about anything. Sin, can't get them stirred up about the wickedness going on in the world, what's going on in our generation. You can't get them stirred up about people going to hell. You just can't get people stirred up. They're like, they've been lulled to sleep. You know, so forget acting out. Some people are just so lulled to sleep and then they their, their righteous indignation never wakes up. But then what do they do? They let their emotions get pricked and then their emotions rise up. It's not the same. You can have a holy anger about things. Jesus did. Jesus did and never sinned. <clears throat> And so I want you to see this, that you can get into your emotions and start to take actions out of emotion. It's a mistake. If the Lord is not directing your steps, you understand what I'm saying? If, and then furthermore, if you're taking actions that have no regard for the instructions of his word, you're in a big problem. You've got a big problem if that's the case. So, so look at this. First Samuel 31, you want to talk about injustice. You want to talk about injustice and not operating out of your emotions. Let's look at 1 Samuel 31. Or excuse me, 1 Samuel 30. <clears throat> Listen to this. It's 1 Samuel 30, verse 1. Now when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negeb and against Ziklag, and they had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire and, the, and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. And they killed no one, but carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. Imagine if your wife and your children were abducted by raiders. Imagine if somebody just broke into your house while you were at work and abducted your wife and children and took them off into slavery. Listen, and the Bible says they raised their voices and wept till they had no more strength to weep. Now, look at verse six. And David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him. (laughs) That'll distress anybody because all the people were bitter in soul, each one for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord is God. So let me stop here. If there was ever a time to react out of your emotion, now's the time. My wife, 
my children have been abducted and taken into captivity. And I've got an army at my back and we're, we're armed to the teeth and I'm one of the greatest warriors that ever lived. Now's the time. Now is the time to react out of my emotion. But notice David didn't do that. He did not react out of his emotion. Notice what he did do. He inquired of the Lord about what he should do next. The Bible says he spoke to Abiathar the priest and said, bring me the ephod. Then he inquired of the Lord, should I pursue after this band? Will I overtake them? And he answered, and God answered him, pursue, for you shall overtake and surely rescue. So David set out and the 600 men who were with him. And of course, as you know, they recovered their family's children and their possessions. But notice this, David didn't just immediately out of emotion react in anger and rush out and go after them. No, he said, I'm not doing anything until I know what the Lord says about it. And one of the biggest mistakes we have in our generation is people reacting out of their emotions. It's detrimental to you and to the kingdom. We got a lot of people that are lashing out on social media, saying things they will regret in six months. Most of them will probably regret them in six weeks. Saying things to their Christian brothers and sisters that they will regret, no question. There's people leaving churches over it. There's people that are yelling at their pastors over it, telling their pastors that you're wrong that you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that, you don't care about people. If you don't know that's going on, it's going on. That there are people that are supposed to be Christians, <coughs> supposed to be Christians, that are that are freaking out, operating in their emotions and in their flesh, saying things they'll regret, saying things that are not in love. <coughs> They're not in love. They've totally totally out of line and they'll lose. Think about this. They will lose Christian friendships over their actions. It's not worth it. It's not worth operating in your flesh and losing relationship with your Christian brothers and sisters. If you think it is, then you're in a very immature place in the kingdom of God. Very immature place. And I'm looking at division all through the body of Christ right now because there are Christians that are too immature to step outside of their emotions and operate according to kingdom principles. Too immature. They're acting just like the world. Acting just like the world. Let me show you something that Paul said to the Corinthian church. It's a perfect example because they were immature believers. The Corinthians were very immature believers. And uh, Paul writes them, and I love the way this is rendered. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians 3, starting with verse 1. Paul said, but I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. We have a lot of infants in the church today. I fed you with milk, not solid food, because you weren't ready for it. And even now you're not ready, for you're still in the flesh. For where there is jealousy and strife among you, 
See that? He lists strife. Where there's jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? Now listen to this. One translation says, are you not acting like mere humans? Think about that. So what he's saying is, he's inferring, you're not merely human anymore. You're superhuman when you become a new creature in Christ Jesus because your spirit man is renewed and now you're a supernatural being with supernatural abilities. It, it, it's, it, blow, it blows my mind. And so Paul is actually saying, and I'm saying it to you, we're not merely human anymore. We're kingdom people. We've been brought out of darkness. We now have the Holy Spirit living in our bodies. We are superhuman people. We're supernatural people. And for us to act exactly like the world is acting is, it's completely detrimental to your faith and to the kingdom of God. It's abhorrent for you to look like every other sinner out there doing exactly what people who don't have the mind of Christ are doing. And let me tell you, it's dangerous. You continue living in your emotion throughout the rest of your life because you can't live in your natural emotions and live in faith at the same time. I'm going to say that again, and I want you to write it in the comments. I can't live in my emotions and live by faith at the same time. Put that in the comments. I cannot live in my emotions and live by faith at the same time. Impossible. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. We walk by faith, not by sight. By faith, not by sight. (laughs) By faith and not by sight. So important that you catch this. It's like I told you, where, where, where Peter was in the midst of a storm that could have killed them all. And Jesus came walking on the water. And, and Peter said, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you. And Jesus said, come. Peter, keeping his focus on Jesus, not allowing his emotions to be stirred by what the storm looked like and how severe the storm was, kept his focus on Jesus. And Jesus is the word made flesh. So he was actually keeping his focus on faith. And he walked. And as he walked towards the word, as he walked towards Christ, notice this, he was keeping his focus on faith and nothing could affect him in the natural realm. The moment Peter took his eyes off of the word and started looking at the storm and looking at the natural realm, look what happened. Look what happened. His emotions started guiding what he believed and he began to sink. You will always sink being led by your emotions. You will always sink being led by your emotions. No question about it. You will always sink. You'll always diminish. You'll always decrease being led by your emotions. Without question. Without question. And that's what many, many Christians are doing right now. Being led by their emotions and it will cause them to sink. They'll lose relationships. They'll lose out in their with their own church family. There's Christians leaving church. Who knows if they'll even go back to church. They're allowing themselves to become offended in their emotions and leaving their churches. 
I've talked to spiritual leaders. They're telling me what's going on behind the scenes. They've got their own people that are yelling at them and scolding them. It's like ridiculous. Scolding them on Zoom calls, scolding them behind the scenes. And you think you're a believer, a mature believer. If you were talking to Paul, he'd rebuke you and say, you're an infant. You need milk. You can't eat meat because you're acting like a mere human. Because that's what, that's what, you know, it doesn't take a supernatural identity to react by emotion. Any sinner can do that. Any sinner can do that. And so you got to learn. You, we have to learn to walk by faith. I remember when it happened to me, I was uh, in Oklahoma. You may have, heard, may have heard me tell this story. And it was uh, on September 11th, 2001, when the Twin Towers fell. And as soon as all that happened, my cell phone started blowing up and people were telling me, you better get provisions, you better get all this stuff, you better get gas, you better do all this because the nation's going to shut down and all this stuff. And this was back in back in uh, the year 2000 when gas in Oklahoma was 98 cents a gallon, 98 cents a gallon. And I was, I was uh, driving back to my apartment, I'm getting all these texts, you better get gas, you better get food, you better stock up your pantry. And so I'm like, right, I got to get gas. Like I'm starting to operate out of my emotions. And I I pass the gas station that's by my house and I swing my car in to get gas. And there's already a big line, huge line. And I'm sitting there praying, oh God, let there be gas for me. Provide for me, oh Lord. And I look at the cost, the price of the gas. The people at the gas station weren't dumb. They had jacked the price up from 98 cents a gallon to like $4 a gallon. $4 a gallon. And I'm still sitting there. I didn't catch it. I'm like, oh Lord, let there be gas for me. And then I get up to the pump and I jump out, throw my credit card in. I start pumping. I'm just throwing my money away. $4 every gallon when it was 98 cents because I'm afraid operating out of my emotions. The twin towers have fallen. The nation's going to go on lockdown. There's not going to be provision. There's not going to be gas. I'm going freaking out all this stuff. Pumping, I get it, and I'm all proud of myself. Oh, I got gas. I, I, I'm not. Gonna, I'm, I'm back to my apartment. I'm feeling all proud of myself because I operated in the fear of my emotions. I wake up the next morning to go to school, get in my car, still feeling good about myself, till I pass that gas station, and now there's no line, and the gas is back down to 98 cents a gallon again. And I just paid four times for gas. Why? Why did that happen to me? Because I took actions based on emotion. I let fear guide me. I let anxiety guide me. Instead of just trusting the Lord that everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. I'm going to do what every sinner does. I'm going to get out there and be led by my emotion, led by my fear, led by my anxiety. Everything's going to be all right. And see what happens, you always diminish, you always decrease, you always sink when you're led by your emotion. Don't allow yourself to be led and to react by the emotion that you feel in the flesh. It will destroy you. It it will destroy your life. I already know there's people that have lost friends over everything that's going on, not just uh, the injustice that's going on and the protests and the riots, but even before that in the pandemic, there's there's relationships that were destroyed because there were there's Christians that were saying, don't do this. 
Others were saying it's all right to do this. Some were saying do this or else you're in fear. Some were saying do this or else you're not in wisdom. And there were divisions over it. Divisions out of the flesh, not the spirit. Not the spirit. There were people that were slamming other people. Other people slamming other people. And at the end of the day, people have lost relationships based upon the fact that they reacted out of their flesh and out of their emotion instead of out of the spirit of God. Bottom line, it destroys you. It destroys your life. It destroys your relationships. It destroys your peace. It destroys your joy. You cannot allow yourself to be governed by your emotions. Don't be governed by your emotions. You see? And that's the first thing I've seen. I didn't think it would be that, that even as a preacher, I didn't think it would be at the level it was where we saw so many people and people that, that, that are, you know, that I've looked up to even. You just see it all over the nation, see it around the world. There was so much disagreement you couldn't, and you guys saw it. You all experienced it. There was so much disagreement. You wouldn't have even thought we were the same body of Christ. So much disagreement. It's not God. The Bible says that where there's strife and jealousy and all this, it's a problem. It's going to destroy you. Number two, I want you to put it in. Number two, the second issue that I saw during all this time, I'm still seeing it, is people are far too easily offended. I want you to put that in the comments. Number two, people are far too easily offended. Now I'm talking about Christians. Once again, none of the things that I'm teaching have anything to do with the sin or the unbeliever. I'm speaking to Christians. People are far too easily offended. Far too easily offended. And you can't be that. Did you know that when the disciples asked Jesus, they said, how many times should we forgive our neighbor or our brother if they sin against us, seven times seven, you know, 49 times, Jesus said, no, try 70 times seven, 70 times seven, 490 times. He's talking about in a day and he's talking about the same sin. If your neighbor commits the same sin against you, 490 times in a day, you should forgive them every time. That's what Jesus said. If your neighbor, <laughs> if your neighbor commits the same sin against you 490 times in the same day, you should forgive them every time. Let it happen once to most people and they get offended and start freaking out. You can't even, you know, we do live in an outrage culture. We absolutely do live in an outrage culture where it's like you can't say anything to anybody. And they, they get offended about it. I was like, you can't even give people compliments. You can't, you can't even give people compliments in 2020 without them getting offended. It's like you jump on to somebody and say, hey, man, you look really great today. Hey, ma'am, you look really nice today. What are you trying to say? I don't look nice every other day. What's the problem with what I wore yesterday? You don't like what I look like the rest of this week? I mean, it's like they will take a compliment and flip it into 
an insult. I've never seen anything like this. I've like we have today, straight up outrage culture. We live in it. Cancel culture. They'll cancel your life. You know, you look at what's going on even in Hollywood. You you put one toe out of line. They'll can't they'll attempt to cancel your whole life. If you don't agree with their agenda, their way of doing things, identity politics, you put one toe out of line. They're canceling your special. They're canceling your movie. They're canceling your show. You'll not get any work canceling you. And that's that's how it's out. It's straight up outrage culture. It's how our generation's living. And Christians have fallen prey to outrage culture. Christians have fallen prey. And now they are as quick to get offended as people in the world. What are you trying to say, Ro? You trying to say I don't look good every day? <laughs> Jesus did say that, Winona. It's true. Straight up identity politics. And if you don't understand what identity politics are, you should look it up because it's happening all even in the church. That the, the importance of the group identity is more important than the individuals in the group. You see what I mean? If you don't know, if you don't know anything about identity politics, look it up. But like if you're in the LGBTQ community, the agenda of the community is more important than your own personal life as an individual of that community. It's called identity politics. Happens all the time. Happens with any hierarchical group like that. You watch it. Doesn't matter if it's BLM, doesn't matter if it's LGBTQ, doesn't matter what it is. It's identity politics and it's it's destroying our nation. It's destroying our nation. And so you need to understand this today. People are living and have allowed themselves to live in an outrage culture. And what's happening is your faith, as I preached yesterday, is being canceled because you've now stepped outside of love. You can't be offended at somebody and love them at the same time. You can't be walking in love and be walking in offense at the same time. That's why the Bible says, even if, if you know, if you've got something against your brother, if you're bringing an offering to the altar of God, the Bible says, and you remember that you have something against your brother, leave your offering where it is and go find your brother and make things right before you give your offering. The Bible teaches that, that you shouldn't even give if you've got things against your brother. And so many people are allowing themselves like, it doesn't matter to me. Like, you know, you think I can only be your friend if your politics are the same as mine? You think I have, you think everyone I know has the exact same politics that I have? No, they don't. I have many Christian brothers and sisters that are my brothers and sisters in Christ, and I love them, that don't believe the same way that I do politically. I don't understand why they don't. But that doesn't stop me from loving them. You, you understand what I mean? It doesn't stop me from loving them. I can think of people off the top of my head that are brothers and sisters in Christ. They don't have anywhere near the same political views that I have. But that doesn't mean I don't stop loving them. That's crazy. That's what a fleshly person would do. That's what a sinner would do. I don't do it as a Christian. I don't do it as a Christian. I pray that, you know, the truth of God's word is always 
being enlightened to everybody's eyes, but I can't control them. And I'm also not going to treat them poorly or treat them with contempt because they don't hold a, a political view that I do. <clears throat> we're, we're on our way to heaven. Now, it might, gar, it might govern what I do and don't talk about with them because I don't want to create strife in a relationship with them. I don't care to have that kind of, I don't care to have that kind of loss of peace. You do have to guard the peace of your own life. And so have the wisdom. Remember this. I personally am not a political lobbyist, so it's not my job to change your political views. I'm a preacher. My job is to give you the message of the word of God and let you hear what the Lord is saying. So you see what I mean? Why would I take the time I have with a Christian brother or sister that's over for dinner or we're out hanging out together, somebody that I do love, but spend the entire time bringing like a stressful environment, trying to convert them to my way of political thinking. It's a waste of my time. I don't care. I love you. You may not believe like I do. That's your own problem. I'm not offended at you. I'm not mad at you. You know, when you start supporting things that are sinful, that's when I have a problem. You start supporting sinful things. Well, then we've got an issue. For example, the killing of babies. Now we've got an issue. Because I don't care what you say about it, it's murder. It's outright murder. So if you support that and if you're all for that, we do have an issue. We do have a problem. And probably we're not going to be friends when you're okay with murder and I'm not. (laughs) It's a little bit different. It's a little bit different. When you start supporting wickedness, it's a little bit different. But understand, We preach the truth of God's word and people's hearts have to be convicted. Once again, let me explain to you what I mean. The thing that's going to change you is not going to be debate. It's not going to be argument. It's not going to be a conversation. This is why I think people are so foolish when they think things like racism are going to change when we start having more open conversations. You're a fool if you think that. You're a fool if you think that conversation doesn't change anybody. Debate doesn't change anybody. The reason people are wicked is because they're wicked. You realize that the reason people are wicked is because they're sinners. They're not wicked because they don't. Well, I just have never had a conversation about this. Now I realize I was wrong all along. No, they're wicked because they're wicked. And what changes them is the truth of the gospel, the the blood of Jesus Christ that transforms them from someone who's dead in trespasses and in sins to somebody that's been brought out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That's what changes a man. I don't don't get it. And we think the the way way that people... See, this is what's being taught right now. It's It's what's being spewed to our generation. Well, if we could just have more open conversations, we need more Zoom calls. We need more, you know, conversations amongst each other. It's not going to change anything. What do you, do you realize <clears throat> racism has been all around <clears throat> as long as there's been sin? There's been hate in the hearts of men as long as there's been sin. And as long as there is sin, there will continue to be hatred in the hearts of men. I don't know how people don't see that. It has nothing to do with whether or not you understand the facts 
or understand the statistics. It has nothing to do with that. Because here's the thing. If you think it is that, here's why you can't win. Because if you do say, well, you know, you're right. We do need to talk about these things. We do need to understand. Let's have a conversation. And then somebody sits down to have a conversation and they speak and and bring up the statistics, the facts and all the stuff. And then people say, well, all I hear is people giving statistics and facts, but they don't, they're not at the heart of the matter. They don't love people. They're cold and calculating with their statistics and facts. So which one do you want? Do you want a conversation where we hear the facts, the statistics, we can have a clear conversation and debate it? Or do you just want to listen to everybody listen to you? See, that's the problem. You can't win in the natural realm because conversations won't change it. Debates won't change it. Protests won't change it. It's the hatred in the hearts of men that can only be removed by salvation. And I'm just blown away by those that have been quick to take offense and quick to act in their emotions that literally will do everything, bend over backwards to do everything in the flesh, but have never felt the same urgency to do things like that in the spirit. They're, they're being guided by propaganda. They're being guided by what the mainstream media tells them. And you've got Christians that are caught up in it. And literally, they don't have any urgency like that for the kingdom. They have it for their own uh, flesh and their fleshly emotions. And that's just the truth of the matter. If I lose followers for saying it, so be it. It's true. It's true. If people want to get angry because I said it, that's not racist. I've already defined what racism is. That's called common sense in the kingdom of God. You can't be a Christian and think that there's a way to change people without the power of God. How can you be a Christian and think that? It's absolute foolishness. It's absolute foolishness. It's absolute foolishness. By the way, I'm still trying to find the people that say and think black lives don't matter. I'm still trying to locate those people. I don't know where they are. I've never seen them on the streets with signs. I've never seen them at the grocery store. I've never seen them in politics. I've never seen them anywhere. I'm still trying to locate these people that that, that say and think black lives don't matter. I literally am. I don't know who they are. It's a one-sided debate. I don't know anybody. I've never seen anybody that's walking around with a t-shirt that says black lives don't matter. I don't know those people. I don't they're not anywhere. They're not online. They're not on in public. They're not in the government. I don't know who we're talking about still to this day. So, well, it's, it's no, what you don't understand, brother. It's the actions. It's what the, the actions of what's happening. But listen, I could get into the statistics about that, but remember this, there is, it's like, I saw a guy that put online, say all lives can't matter until black lives matter. Who's saying they don't? You know, with the exception of like extreme prejudice, you know, like the KKK, with the exception of like white supremacists who everyone condemns, who everyone condemns, white, black, brown alike condemn white supremacy, which is clearly racist. But I mean, like, where are they? By the way, you don't see white supremacists marching on the other side of a BLM rally. 
But I mean, like, outside of white supremacists, who in normal society is suggesting black lives don't matter? Who's saying that? No one is. Well, you have to look at the statistics. Look, look at who's in jail. Look at who's being murdered. It's like, bro, you don't even make sense because if you look at the mo- a movement like Black Lives Matter, you have to ask yourself, how come they're not protesting the nations where black people are actually enslaved today in 2020? Why aren't they protesting in the south side of Chicago? So, well, you can't say those things because, you know, it's like, okay, so I'm looking at things where it really seems like black lives aren't mattering because they're just being thrown away day after day after day, which is heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. And if you think the government cares, these mayors in these cities, they don't care. They don't care. All these Democratic mayors that are saying all this stuff right now, they just pointed out six of them that in their cities had the highest black murder rate, more black deaths than any other cities in America, and never once. They went through their track record. You know what they found out? Never once did they say anything, these mayors. Not once. They don't care about the actual lives of people. They care about their political agenda and whether or not they'll be back in office again. That's all they care about. So who's saying they don't matter? Who's saying that Puerto Ricans don't matter? Who's saying that Brazilians don't matter? Who's saying that, you know, people from El Salvador don't matter? Who's saying that Mexicans don't matter? Who's saying that black people don't matter? It's a made up thing. It's a made up thing. I mean, count out white supremacists because everyone condemns them. Everyone condemns them. I don't know if you're not a white supremacist that's part of the KKK or the Aryan Brotherhood. I don't know anybody that's going like, you know what? You know, I know some of the stuff they do is over the line, but I really, I really like those white supremacists. No one's saying that. Nobody's standing up for white supremacy or the Aryan Brotherhood. Nobody's doing that. They're all condemned by everybody in society. So who are the people that are saying black lives don't matter? No one's saying it. No one's saying it. It's a problem. We become easily offended. We let our emotions govern us. And then we're led around by the nose, by the mainstream media and by the culture. And the problem is we've placed culture over kingdom and not kingdom over culture. Bottom line. We've placed culture over kingdom, not kingdom over culture. Can I tell you the how crazy it is? Someone I saw a video on TikTok the other day where a guy was showing the number of um, of white people killed by police in 2019 versus the number of black people, and he was showing you that proportionately it's not the same. That black people are killed four times more by the police than white people are per capita. And he said, for all of you people that say, you know, all lives matter and blah, it's all equal and blah, blah, blah. But the question I have is this. If even one person dies, it's a tragedy. You realize that, don't you? If even one person dies and is murdered, that in itself is a tragedy. If the person is white, if the person is black, if the person is brown, it doesn't matter. One life lost is a tragedy. Murder is wrong, period. But do you notice many, many people are killed in the white community 
but we would be completely condemned if we created a White Lives Matter group. You realize that? There are, in total, more white people killed by police. I know not more per capita, but there are more total. But can you imagine the outrage in 2020 if we stood up and said, we're going to create a White Lives Matter group to lobby, to protest? The outrage would be insane. Can you see the disproportionate judgment here? It's insane. It's insane. It's all driven politically. It's all driven by agenda. It's all driven by propaganda to get an outcome that's wanted by politicians. I was telling you this, that the actual antichrist agenda is at work in the earth today. It's totally at work in the earth today. And if you don't see it, you don't see the division to try to bring down a nation that's one of the last independent strong nations in the world And these nations have to come down and collapse in order for a one world system to be set up and for the enemy to do what he wants to do throughout the earth. So if you don't think there's a plan to destroy America, if you don't think that there's a plan to destroy America, and let me say this, whatever you might think about President Donald Trump, I don't think the enemy was expecting somebody to come in and throw a wrench in the works of the political system. I don't think it was expected at all. You know, I, whatever you may think of his politics, I'm not commenting on those. Whatever you may think of his policies, him personally, whatever. I'm talking about from the enemy's perspective, I think it was a confusion. I think it was an actual confusion to the Antichrist agenda when Hillary Clinton should, by all rights, have from everything they said should have won the presidency would have continued right on with the way things have been going for the last 50 years. I think it was a confusion and now there's uproar because do you know what happened in the last election? Do you know what happened that had never happened before? The church turned out to vote in historic numbers. Did you know that? Evangelical Christians turned out to vote in historic numbers, more than any other election in history. And do you notice what's what's going on throughout this year, the election year? Do you know what do you know do you see what's happening? They're trying to shut the church down and quiet the church. They're trying to bring division in the church. What what happened through the first quarter of the year? The churches were shut down. They want the churches to be shut down. Now what's happening? Now with all the things going on with racial tension, look at the churches. Look at all the churches that are biracial or multiracial, multicultural. They're trying to bring division even in the churches because we see it. We've got church people that are at each other's throats because of the cultural things that are happening. Can you not see it as a plan from the Antichrist agenda? Can you not see it to shut the church down and silence the church and then to put church people at each other's throats? Because I see it as a confusion to the enemy's plan. Whatever you may think of the president of the United States of America, you may hate him. You may love him. I don't know. But if you're a Christian, you should be praying for him according to the word of God. 
I prayed for President Bush. I prayed for President the other President Bush. I prayed for President Obama. I prayed for President Trump. I prayed for President Clinton. You got to pray for those that are in leadership over you, whether you love them or not. But do you ever think about that? Do you think it's a coincidence? Do you think it's a coincidence that this is all happening in an election year? Do you think it's a coincidence that with all the things that have happened politically, that none of them worked and now this is happening? Do you think it's a coincidence? There's an antichrist agenda that's truly at work. And I don't, I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily saying it has to do with President Trump. I'm saying it has to do with America, a strong nation that has to be torn down before a one world government. None of the things that happen in the book of Revelation can happen if there's a strong independent nations that are strong independent nations that are set up around the world. They've got to be brought down. And this is why I'm warning you today that we as Christians cannot be easily offended and at each other's throats bring division in the house of God. We have to be people that are bigger than that. We have to be people that walk in love, don't hold grudges, aren't angry at the first sign. Let me read you something. Go to Colossians 3.13. I'm going to give you the last one, then we're going to pray. Colossians 3.13. Go with me. Look at this. This is something you should post on your mirror, your car, your refrigerator, everything. Colossians 3 and verse 13. Listen to this. Bearing with one another and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Let me read verse 12 with it. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. That term bearing with one another, let me show you what it means because even this, I don't think people understand what it means. They just don't. In fact, I'll expand upon it. Listen to the New Living Translations. The translation. It says, instead of bearing with one another, New Living Translation says, make allowance or make room for one another's faults. Bearing with one another. I'm, you know, you ever heard somebody use the term, bear with me, bear with me. When when they're making you wait or they're, you know, it's their fault. You know, they they should have been prepared or they should have had it ready for you. And they say, bear with me, bear with me. What That's what the Bible's commanding you to do. Bear with them. Somebody may make a mistake. They may have make, there may be an issue. You may have problems. You may have somebody even do something wrong to you. Bear with them. Make a new living. Make room for one another's faults. Just expect to know people aren't perfect, even though they should be. They're commanded to be like their father. But people aren't. People make mistakes. And so the Bible says, make room for one another's faults. Make room for one another's faults. We're commanded to do that. Bear with them. Bear with them. Look at this. It says, forgiving each other. Put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. Patience, man, should be so preached in 2020. Patience. Be patient. 
Be patient with one another. Be patient with one another. And then finally, let me say this. The third thing, which was a lesson I learned from the pandemic, from the protests, from the riots, is that Christians don't, for the most part, don't know who they are in Christ. We must know who we are in Christ. We have to. We have to know. Because see, if you don't know who you are in Christ, you'll take your identity out of you know, your political identity, your cultural identity, your sexual orientation, God forbid. Seriously. Colossians 1.13, listen to this. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So you see this? We've been transferred out of darkness and into the kingdom of his dear son. If it's his son's kingdom, he's our king, Jesus is king, as Kanye West reminded us with those albums. Jesus is king, then he is the ruler of, It's a theocracy. He's the ruler of his own kingdom, which means we must do what he said. We take our identity and who we are in him. I, let me tell you something. And I promise you this. I am a Christian before, far before I'm an American. Let me just, let me just be very plain with you today. I am a Christian far before I'm an American. Let me go a step further. I am a Christian far before I'm a white person. (laughs) I can't imagine elevating my white skin above my Christianity. I'm a Christian before I'm white. I'm a Christian before I'm American. Before any of that stuff. I'm a Christian first. Christian comes first. Somebody put that hashtag in the comments. Hashtag Christian comes first. Christian comes first. Christian comes first. I don't define myself by being white. You know what I, you know what I don't have? I don't talk about white privilege. You know what, you know what I do have? Christian privilege, kingdom privilege, kingdom privilege. That's what I have. That's what you have. Christian comes first. I've got kingdom privilege. I've got Christian privilege. This whole collection of books is a description, specifically the final 27 books of the New Testament is a description of what? My privilege in the kingdom of God. I've got Christian privilege. I've got kingdom privilege. It's an advantage over the world. Let me give you an example. When everybody else is getting sick, I've got kingdom privilege. I can stand free from sickness and disease no matter what's sweeping through my neighborhood because I've got kingdom privilege. Got an advantage. Christian comes first. You know what? When everybody else is losing jobs, when the economy's failing, when everybody else is going down financially, I can stand in total provision because I've got kingdom privilege. Christian comes first. You hear that? Total privilege in the kingdom 
And that's not governed by your color. It's governed by the fact that you have come in to the kingdom through the blood of Jesus Christ. Kingdom privilege. Kingdom privilege. That's what we've got as believers, as Christians, red, yellow, black, or white, we're all precious in his sight and we all are afforded kingdom privilege. Think about it. Think about it. We must know who we are in Christ. Without question, we've got to know who we are in Christ. Don't make these mistakes, man. Don't make these mistakes. Don't put yourself in a spot where you're acting out of your emotions, number one. Don't put yourself in a spot where you're offended by everything and everybody and outrage culture. And number three, don't put yourself in a place where you don't know who you are in Jesus Christ and you start putting your culture above the kingdom. Keep the kingdom at the highest. We were at church last night with such a powerful thought. Everything that we do should be done through the filter of the kingdom. Everything we do should be done through the filter of the kingdom. Without question, the filter of the kingdom. I don't treat somebody how I treat them based upon their skin color, how much money they have, what they can do for me. I don't base it upon their political stance. I don't base it upon what country they're from. How I treat someone comes through the filter of the word of God. When I come through on the other side, I'm treating them how the word of God says to treat somebody. I love them. I love them. Why? Because of the kingdom. Because of the kingdom. I want to pray for you today because let me tell you, those of you that that are here with me that stick with this truth, you'll be head and shoulders above the rest. When everybody else is flailing, when everybody else is failing, when everybody else is floundering, you will be head and shoulders above the rest. Violent increase will be yours. Expedited favor will be yours. And I'm going to pray today that God gives us a new revelation. Man, maybe I'll take some time next week to truly talk and teach on kingdom identity because it really needs to be discussed. And I think we hear ourselves say uh, that, you know, I don't know who I am in Christ, but many people don't know what that means. They don't know what it means to take your identity in Christ. So maybe we need to talk about it. But I'm going to pray for you today because what I want to see happen for you is that the eyes of your understanding are opened and you can clearly know, see, and understand who you are in the kingdom of God and place that first above anything else. Before I'm an American, I'm a Christian. Before I'm white, I'm a Christian. Before I'm anything, I'm a Christian. That's number one. So I want you to bow your head. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for faithful and wonderful people who love your word, who love your spirit. I pray in Jesus' name that you would open our eyes in a greater measure through your word and through your spirit to let us know and see who we are in Christ, to see our kingdom identity so that we are not caught up in the thought process and the actions and, and the disciplines of this world, but through kingdom principles. Let us see that we're seated in heavenly places far above principalities and powers, every name that is named, not only in this world, but that which is to come. Use us, Lord, in these last days mightily, 
Open doors for us and our families. Provide for us. We thank you. We give you glory. We give you honor. And we give you praise today in Jesus' wonderful name. And if you believe it, shout aloud, amen. Throw some fire in the comments. And and, and I'm telling you, we're going to see a change. The last six months of this year are going to be insane. We're going to see the blessing of God explode in our lives. I promise you, get ready. We're going to see it happen like never before. Don't expect it to be the greatest six months you've seen this year, but the greatest you've seen in any year. Can I encourage you to do something? This is going to be uh, this is going to be a great year, I know. We're going to get to December 31st and look back and wonder how God did all he did in six months. But can I ask you, if you've not prayed about doing it, to pray about partnering with me and Carolyn, we are taking the biggest steps this year we've ever taken to see people changed by the power of God. We're going after it, man. I'm leaving tomorrow. We're going to head to West Virginia and join my father. The tent is going up in Moorfield, West Virginia. And Sunday through Friday, we're having an outdoor crusade. We're having revival. Souls are going to be saved. People are going to be changed by the power of God. We'd love to see you there if you're coming. We're going to do the same in York, Pennsylvania. We're going to go to Atlanta this year and do the same. All the details will, will be forthcoming. More fields are already available on the web. But can you see yourself standing in the overflow that comes from partnership, that comes from sowing? Can you see yourself debt-free? Can you see yourself with no credit card debt or student loan debt hanging over your head? Can you see that through the seed God's placed in your hand, when you release it and sow it into the kingdom, the harvest comes back to you? Let me encourage you, if you've not done so, would you consider partnering on a monthly basis with Carolyn and with me? If you would do that and obey what the Lord is telling you to do, go to miracleword.com, click on the give page or the partner page, and you can set up a monthly seed. I don't know what you're able to do right now. What is the Lord telling you to do? Is it $50 a month? As we're asking and we're praying for people to stand with us at $85 a month or more, Whatever it might be, do what the Lord's telling you to do. Obey his voice and you'll always be blessed. I found out, like the mother of Jesus said in the book of John, whatever he tells you to do, do it. That's the key to blessing and overflow. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Whatever you can do today, monthly, to stand with us, let me encourage you to do that. And I love that we don't have to put any pressure on anybody. If you do it, we thank you. We appreciate you. Thank you for answering the call of God. If you don't do it, no condemnation to you. There's no pressure on you. We're not in any kind of stress. We're not in any kind of pressure. We're just moving forward and continuing to do what the Lord's called us to do. And I want to say thank you. It's easy to do. You can go to miracleword.com and you can click give or partner and set up a monthly seed right there on the website. And uh, we say thank you. If you're in the U.S., you can use Cash App, Venmo, PayPal, hashtag donate in the comments. Unless you're on YouTube, they don't accept it but Facebook, Twitter, Periscope. And I want to say a big thank you to everybody that's sowing in the month of June. You know what we're sending you is this book, powerful book by Dr. Bill Winston, The Law of Confession. It's coming to you for everybody that sows $85 or more in June. This is our gift to you. And then of course, for every person that's sowing largely, and there are people that do that, that are sowing $1,000 or more, this is my brand new book, Further Faster. And this is a special edition. It's limited hardcover, as you can see with a dust jacket, hardcover, special edition of the book 
We printed a limited run of these for our partners that are standing with us at $1,000 or more. And um, this is going to be my gift. You want to sign it to you and send it to you as well as this awesome study Bible. This is a genuine leather uh, life application study Bible in the New Living Translation. One of the greatest study tools you can have. It goes deep in all kinds of different areas. Gives you timelines, personal profiles, maps, uh, translation notes, all kinds of things to help you go deeper in your study of God's Word. Both of those are our gift to you that are sowing largely. And I believe God's speaking to people to sow largely. Thousand dollars, two thousand, five thousand, ten thousand, whatever He's telling you to do, do what He's asking you, and you'll be blessed. You absolutely will be blessed. I love you so much. Absolutely love you. Listen, this is going to be a great week, and this is going to be a great weekend. I'm starting with my father Sunday, as I mentioned, in Moorfield, West Virginia. If you can get there, come and be a part of it. The information's on the web. We'd love to see you. Next month, we're setting the tent up in York, Pennsylvania. Would love to see you there. It's going to be great. And I'm looking forward to seeing all the souls that are going to be saved, people that are going to be changed. If you can get a chance to check out my wife's brand new book that's releasing soon, you can pre-order it right now on the website, shop.miracleword.com. And you can find it. I put the link, and I'll put it again right now. in the. Uh, there it is in the comments section. If you'd like to click on it and go check out the book, there's the link into our online store that will uh, take you right to the book. It's going to be powerful. The power of confession, confessions that create boundaries your enemy cannot cross. And uh, so I'm looking forward to it. Also, don't forget on the store, all kinds of new shirts for the kids, which look amazing. They're super soft shirts as well. These are great. Brand new for the summertime. Encourage you to grab yours. Not only that, but the Miracle Word Kids Tumblers. I love these. All kinds of stuff that's available for you. Also, the ebook of Further Faster is available on Amazon Kindle and Apple Books. And also, we have courses available for you, a Miracle Word University. That's at MiracleWordU.com. And uh, if you've not gone to check those out, let me encourage you. That right there is 20 hours of teaching for only $199. It's yours for life. Put it on your phone, tablet, laptop. Take it with you wherever you go. And we gave you 28% off uh, if you want to be a part of Miracle Word University. I highly highly encourage you to do it we love you guys man very very much mary sue we'll pray for you send us a message how we can pray and we'll stand with you god bless your people today touch them if there's any sick heal them if any are depressed bring them joy let this be a day of victory for your people in jesus mighty name we thank you we give you glory we give you honor and praise in jesus name amen i love you guys and I'll see you again tomorrow, and uh, then you'll have a great weekend. We start Sunday. I'm so excited. People are going to be saved. The harvest keeps coming in. Be blessed. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.